Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. to be crucified, but I'll raise again the third day. Oh, okay, Lord, which one of this is greater in your kingdom? They're going to arrest me, put me on trial. They're going to crucify me. They're going to bury me, but I'll raise again on the third day. Oh, hey, Lord, when you go into your kingdom, can we be on your right side or your left side? That, again, the, the mindset, the concept, we, we look at that and we think, how can these guys be so unfocused on what's going on? But beloved, can't we be there at the very same time and at the very same place? Where God is wanting to speak to us and we're off track, we're over here, we've got our own agenda. As the crucifixion of Jesus approached, his disciples struggled to grasp the magnitude of what he was telling them. He wanted to warn them to prepare them for what was about to happen and offer them hope, but they couldn't get their mind off of their own agendas. As Pastor David challenges us in today's message, we need to be wary of making the same mistake as the disciples. Instead of spending our prayer time asking God to assist with our plans, we should spend more time listening for Him to reveal His plans for us. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Their Eyes Were Opened. Last week, we actually started in chapter 24 of the book of Luke. That's where we're at this morning. We're going to continue on through Luke. We've actually got just a, this week and probably next week is all that we have left in Luke. In chapter 24, there are three particular incidents that deal with the resurrection of Christ. One is the women at the tomb. The second one is with two men walking on the road to Emmaus. The third one is with the disciples in the upper room. We looked at uh, the, the event of the women at the tomb last week. We spoke about the fact that when they got there, they, uh, the, the angel said, he is not here. He is risen. Well, what we're going to do this morning is we're actually going to back up a little bit. We're going to start actually at the very beginning uh, to kind of get a, a running start with what's going on here. We're going to continue our look at the resurrection, but you need to understand that at the death and the burial of Jesus Christ, every one of his disciples, every one, bar none, every one of them, their immediate reaction, their immediate response to all of this speaks of a lack of understanding and, yes, a lack of faith because every one of them expected that the Savior was still dead. You have to understand, the, the women went to the grave that morning, as I shared last week. They went to the grave with great expectation. They went to the grave with great hope. They expected to find a dead Savior. They had the hope 
that they were going to be able to come and prepare his body a little bit better than the men did. But you know what? As I shared last week, the Lord blew the door off of their expectations and their hope. He rolled that stone away. He was not there. And none of these women understood what was going on. None of them went with the expectation, whoa, it's the third day. Let's run out there. He's not dead we, because he said that he would raise the third day. None of them went that way. None of them. When we look at it this morning, we're going to see that, again, both the men and the women, they were in absolute total shock that their Lord had been crucified, and it's so apparent in all of their reactions, and it's recorded in every one of the gospel records. Even though Jesus had told them over and over that he would raise again on the third day, they still didn't get it, or they simply doubted that it could or that it would happen. Today, we've got our Bibles written down for us. We've got the four Gospels laid out for us. We can go back and we can read and reread. We can study the Word of God. We can see the fulfillment of the Word in so many ways. And yet, even today, even today, there are way too many believers that continue to walk in ignorance and in doubting. Too many still walk in ignorance of the, of the promises of God because they're not students of this word. Too many still walk in doubt of the promises of God. Even though they may read it, they don't fully believe it. And too many times, the lives of Christians are lived in discouragement rather than joy, in defeat, rather than victory, even though the word of God has been given to us that you and I might Again, live our lives victoriously in Christ Jesus. You see, we're not much different, are we, than the women or the disciples back then. The Lord says things, we read things, we say that we believe those things, and all of a sudden, we're like, oh, you know, maybe he'll do that for George, but he's not going to do that for me. I, I think I've attested to you many times in, in my own weakness of my own faith. Many times it's easier for me to have faith that God's going to move in your life than in my life. I, I can pray with great faith for you. And then I pray for myself and I think, well, Lord, you know, if you would and you could, please, would you kind of, huh, sort of? <laughs> Maybe it's because I know this character. So again, we look and we see all because they either doubted the word of God or they doubted the power of God. They, they doubted whether he was going to be able to fulfill his promises. Either because of their doubt or because of ignorance, they did not, again, believe or trust wholly and completely in the words that Jesus had told them. Through all the accounts that are given to us by the, by the gospel writers, we find that after his resurrection, the Lord Jesus actually revealed himself to a variety of people in a variety of locations. Not only is that recorded in the gospel records, but even Paul, as he writes to the church in Corinth, he declares that after the resurrection took place, the risen Savior was seen by Cephas, by Peter, and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, in other words, during the time of Paul's writing. But some have fallen asleep, they've died, they've passed away. And after that, Paul says, he was seen by James, and then by all of the apostles. And then Paul says, and last of all, he was seen by me. 
The resurrection of Jesus Christ was clearly attested to by a multitude of individuals, individuals who lived the rest of their lives based upon that verified truth of the resurrection. And even though that faith and that belief in their life meant for them particularly continued persecution, all kinds of trials, even imprisonment, as well as multitudes of them, hundreds of thousands during that first century that were martyred for their faith. Why? Because they fully believed the resurrection of Christ and it impacted their life in such a way that it changed their life totally. They were no longer the same. They moved on the power of the promise of God in their life in every aspect of their life. They saw him, they experienced his presence and his power, and they were sold out completely to him. Oh, beloved, that the church today might be able to have that same kind of a zeal that same kind of a drive, that same kind of a passion that even as Charles Wesley wrote years ago, Christ the Lord is risen today. Sons of men and angels say, raise your joys and triumphs high, sing you heavens and your earth reply, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That we could live that way with that kind of reality lives again our glorious king, where, O death, is now thy sting. Once he died our souls to save, where thy victory, O grave. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. One of the verses says, love's redeeming work is done. He fought the fight and the battle's done. Death in vain forbids him rise, but Christ has opened paradise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah that we could live that way in every aspect of our lives. In our study of, of Luke's gospel account, again, we're in chapter 24. I invite you to turn there with me if you've got your Bibles this morning. encourage you to bring your Bibles as we go through the Word. That's what we do here. We go through the Word book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We are in the gospel according to Luke chapter 24. We are in verse, well, we're going to start in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they, that's the women that had seen Christ buried by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, the angel said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Then verse 8, and they remembered his words. They hadn't remembered him prior to that. They didn't go to the tomb with that expectation and that remembrance. All of that had been, again, back in the far recesses of their mind. But now as the angel pro proclaimed the reality of the risen Savior, they remembered his words. It was the shock 
of his absence. It was the message of the angels standing there before them that allowed the women then at that point in time to recall and to remember the words of Jesus that he had shared with them over and over and over again. Look, when I get to Jerusalem, I am going to be arrested. I am going to be crucified, but I will raise again on the third day. Beloved, he didn't tell them that once. He didn't tell him that twice. He told that to him multiple and multiple of times. But you know what? It just never stuck. It was always back behind. I'm going to be crucified, but I'll raise again the third day. Oh, okay, Lord, which one of us is greater in your kingdom? They're going to arrest me, put me on trial. They're going to crucify me. They're going to bury me, but I'll raise again on the third day. Oh, Hey, Lord, when you go into your kingdom, can we be on your right side or your left side? That, again, the, the mindset, the concept, we, we look at that and we think, how can these guys be so unfocused on what's going on? But, beloved, can't we be there at the very same time and at the very same place where God is wanting to speak to us and we're off track, we're over here, we've got our own agenda. It's in Matthew's gospel account where we see that the Lord appeared to these women as they walked back to from the tomb back to speak to the disciples about the resurrection. In John's gospel account, he's the one that shares with us that the Lord Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene by herself there at the tomb. And here in Luke, Luke goes on to tell us that the women went back. They told the disciples that amazing, that exciting news. Look in verse 9. In verse 9, it says, And they, the women, returned from the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. When the apostles heard, they were so excited about the resurrection because they knew it had to be true. That's probably not what your version says either, is it? As a matter of fact, it says, the women's words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Have you ever had somebody doubt your testimony? You ever had somebody doubt that God's really moving in your life? That's what's going on right here. here the, and you need to understand what's going on here. These are believing women, women who had followed the Lord Jesus for a number of years now, and they're speaking to believing men, men who had been his disciples, men who had been anointed by the Lord Jesus and sent out to work miracles, to heal the sick and to cast out demons, men that had seen the Lord doing these mighty things, men and women both who had heard the testimony of the Lord Jesus as he declared, I'm going to rise again. And when they received the truth of that resurrection, the men don't believe. It's interesting, even in his unbelief, though, Peter, Peter decided he would check it out himself. So John tells us that, the, that uh, in John's gospel, he says that uh, he himself also ran with Peter, but that's not spoken of here in Luke. In Luke, in verse 12, it says, Peter rose up and he ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes laying by themselves, and he departed. But it says there that he marveled to himself at what had happened. It doesn't really say, and he believed that the Lord had risen from the dead. Luke also shares with us that some of the details of the meeting Jesus had with these two disciples, and we're going to look at that in a moment, but you've got to realize in the midst of all of this, 
Every one of these, these women, these men, these disciples, not only the, the 11 disciples, but the other followers of Christ, their, their world was over. It was, it's, it, I mean, everything that they had hoped in was gone now, as far as they knew. Now in verse 13, tells us, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They talked together of all these things which, they had, which had happened, and so it was that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And Jesus said to them, what kind of a conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are so sad? Emmaus is believed to be a village between Jerusalem, like on the way to the coast, heading to Joppa, only about seven miles or so outside of Jerusalem, about a half day's journey. It wouldn't have been a hard walk, but from the context of the story, we realize that they probably started a little bit later in the day, because by the time they get to where they're going, it becomes evening. As they walked, they were, they were speaking about the only thing really that was on the mind of all of the disciples. What happened to our Lord? What happened to our Lord after we placed him in the tomb? And it was so clear by their speech and, and by their countenance that they were discouraged and they were troubled by all of these events. Bad enough that they've killed our Lord, but now someone's gone in and stolen his body. They still don't get it. They still haven't re re understood and come to the clarification that no, all the promises that he declared have already been fulfilled. He's risen from the dead. As they walked and talked, suddenly Jesus, Luke tells us, went, was near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they didn't know him. Now, we don't know if that was work of the Holy Spirit for a time or the fact that the resurrected body of Jesus looked so different. We do know that when Jesus met with Mary Magdalene, that Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him at first. We understand that. We also know that uh, when he went to the upper room where the disciples were, the disciples didn't really recognize him. He had to say, hey, it's, it's me. So whether it be something that the Holy Spirit had blinded their eyes or whether there was such a difference in the appearance of Jesus, something was going on that these guys did not recognize that it was Jesus at that point. And Jesus spoke to them, and he asked them, hey guys, what in the world are you talking about? You both seem so bummed out as you're walking along here. Verse 18, then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to them, have you been living in a cave? No, they buried him one, but he got out of that one. You know, so. He says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And, and I love it. I love Jesus. He says, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and worked before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned and condemned to death and crucified him. I love here how the Lord made them think through and then verbally declare their current situation. 
Jesus understood their position, he understood their situation, and he even understood their thought process. But he wanted them to voice it and to voice it out loud. And personally, beloved, I think that that's healthy for us. I think that it's healthy when we don't know what's going on, when we're disappointed with life and God, and yeah, even when we're mad with God to voice it out, to speak it out, to declare that. Some people say, oh, no, no, you, you don't want to do that. That's, that's negative confession. Well, let me read you some negative confession of the psalmist in Psalm 10. He says, in Psalm 10, the psalmist declares, why do you stand far off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride is persecuting the poor. Let them be caught in their plots which they've deceived or devised. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire, he blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Beloved, this isn't a lack of faith. This is simply a declaration of what we see in our reality. People say, oh no, that's negative confession. You don't want to speak those things. Hogwash. Because I see it within the word of God over and over. I believe that our God would rather have an honest heart than one that's trying to deceive themselves and everybody else around them, and trying to deceive God. Oh no, everything's wonderful, everything's marvelous, everything's beautiful, and in the meantime, life is falling all apart all around you. I believe that our God is big enough to say, God, I so desperately need your help, and I don't feel your presence right now. God, I so desperately need you right now, and God, to me, you're far away. Where's your power, Lord? Where is the promise of your presence in times of trouble? When I'm going through that valley of the shadow of death, your word says that you'd be there with me, Lord. Where are you at that point in time? Beloved, that's just honesty before the Lord. And I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture of men of God who declare the same thing. And our God is big enough to answer, yeah, even those questions and those doubts not a rejecting of God. It's a crying out to God. It's a recognition that God, you, you, you promised tonight, I need you to fulfill that promise in my life because my life right now is in desperate straits. This is the honest reality of where these guys are in their understanding. Everything had crashed. Everything had burned. And although it really didn't and it really hadn't, but in the reality of their own mind and understanding, that is what was going on. And they go on to express their heartbreak and their confusion. Look at verse 21. In verse 21, he goes on to declare, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And yes, certain, uh, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. There, there's no testimony of a belief of a resurrection here. Did you catch that? These, these women came and they said that, you know, he, he wasn't there, that the angel said that he was risen from the dead. But we went, we checked it out, there's no body. We, we just don't know what's going on. Oh, 
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word. from we-